Amen. Should we take a seat at this point? And I think, Jackie and Lucy, if there are some Bibles uh, that we can get, a, get around the church, that would be good. And as they come around, um, I'll pray in just a moment. But it would be good to um, see if we can get the Bibles open to, it's going to be uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. It's going to be on page 1161. If you have your own Bibles, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, church Bibles page 1161. And as they come around, uh, do grab one and I'll pray. So, Father, for a few moments we want to pause and let the truth of your word abide in our hearts. Your word is truth and altogether true. It is a lamp for our feet and a light to our path. It gives us comfort it makes us wise and it holds out to us such a great salvation. So give us a thirst and a desire for it, Lord, this morning, even as we long for you. Father, our rock and our redeemer, in Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Right, page 1161, 2 Corinthians 4, 7 to 18. It will appear on the screens as well. Just before we read it, let me just put two pictures in your mind. Think of treasure. Okay, on the one hand, we've got treasure. And think of treasure as the powerful good news of what God has done for us, rescuing us in Jesus. Right, that's treasure. The powerful good news of God in Jesus Christ. And on the other hand, think of jars of clay, fragile jars of clay which you could smash very easily and the image there is meant to lead us to think about our bodies and our weakness and frailty and afflictions and powerlessness right jars of clay okay now listen to these words of paul in the new testament this is from verse seven but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. And therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, Yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory 
that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay. I imagine that verse 16 expresses something that we would want to express here in church this morning, or that the town might want to express. In fact, everyone waking up this Sunday morning might want to say, namely, we don't lose heart. We don't want to lose heart. We want to feel renewal and refreshment and hope. And even though really difficult times may be upon us and things may be hard and we've been shocked and saddened by things that have happened, nevertheless, it's right to grieve, it's right to process that, but we don't want to stay there. Maybe we would want to stay there. I don't know how sad and how shocked this, this past few days has caused you to feel, and it, you know, it may be quite bad and quite grievous for some of us, but there'll be other things, won't there? Even if this wasn't too close to home for us, there'll be other things in our lives that may cause us to grieve. But we don't want to stay there. I trust that it's our sentiment, isn't it? I think it's a pretty universal sentiment that we want to be able to say we don't lose heart. And we want to be renewed. And what's interesting to me about this little section here, this verse 16, is that Paul's very real about our bodies and about our experience and our humanity. He's like, no, the outward Our outward bodies, the outer person, that's all wasting away. It's fading. Even our lives are sort of fading, even from the time of our birth. We've been on a journey to the grave. (laughs) But nevertheless, he's real about that. It's like he owns up to it. I can own up to that because inside there's something else going on. I'm being renewed, he says, day by day. I'm experiencing there's a part of me that's growing and not depleting. There's a part of me that's beginning to shine more and more rather than fade. I'm being renewed. He says that. And he says, we don't lose heart. And that's not because, you know, we we don't say that, do we? Because we're just stiff, upper-lipped British people who just get on with things. He's saying that, the Apostle Paul's saying that, the New Testament and the Bible's saying that. Upon... Breeze blocks of truth. And I'm going to just try and outline that for you this morning, a little bit this morning. It's not that this is just empty words. We're we're not dismayed. We're going to keep going. We don't lose heart. This plank, if you like, the plank, imagine a plank, big plank of wood, with the words on the side of it, we do not lose heart. It's not that that's just sat on nothing. Just in thin air. It's on God's truth, breeze blocks, huge. Imagine those great big concrete things, breeze blocks of truth. And I'll tell you why. Because the whole beginning of that reading, verses 7 right through to verse 15, he says a whole load of things. And then he says, therefore, because of all that, because of that stuff, therefore we don't lose heart. That's breeze blocks number one. We'll look at that in a sec. And then straight after that, we do not lose heart. In verse 17, he goes, because, or for, and then gives a bunch more reasons. 
which is breeze block two. Right? So this is not empty of truth. What we're reading this morning are breeze blocks of God's truth that mean that we can look at events like the things that have happened in the previous days and go, we don't lose heart. And here are the reasons why. Like that. Okay, so here we go. This is verses 7 to 15. Breeze block one. Four things. First of all, weakness in us. This is verse 7. Weakness in us is God's way of showing his great strength. Let me read you verse 7. We have this treasure. Remember, that's the power of God. God's salvation in Jesus. We have this treasure in jars of clay, frail bodies, to show that this power, this all-surpassing power, is from God and not from us. Right? This weakness in us is going to show off God's power and strength. He says it again in verse 10. We always carry around, just listen to the language here, right? We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed. It's his life we want to be revealed in our bodies. He goes on, verse 11. We who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. The idea here is a bit of a David and Goliath. Right, you know the story? There he is, little David, little shepherd boy, a bit wet behind the ears still, tiny with his little slingshot, coming up against a giant. Right, and on that day, in the life of God's people, everyone saw, everyone on that battlefield saw weakness and powerlessness and insignificance win a mighty victory. And everyone goes, no, God is at work then. Because little shepherd boys don't beat giants. So God must be at work. See that? That's how it works. And Paul must have looked at the cross as well and gone, I look at Jesus and I see him upon a cross, suffering and bleeding and dying in shame, and I see a great victory come out the back of that. And so it must be that God is at work. And God gets the glory. And then he just says, that principle applies. It applies to us. It applies to the church. So when we're weak, and we, we feel it in our bodies, right? and we're, we're facing trials, and affliction, and pain, my knee's gone, and my back's gone, Whatever else is going. He's like, in that weakness is where the Lord is seen to be at work and his strength is on display. And therefore, we do not lose heart because that's the way God is working. Therefore, we do not lose heart. That's one. Two, when we're expended and drained, we become a source of life to others. This is verse 12. Let me just give you this. He follows on that thought, right? Straight after verse 11. He actually says, so then, death is at work in us. Death is at work in us. But life, he's speaking to the church at Corinth, life is at work in you. So, uh, so David had this said about him several times, didn't he? Many, many times. And Judith shared with us again this morning. Right? Here was a guy who gave of himself. Who spent, his life was spent i mean it was spent out 
He gave for the sake of others, for the sake of his constituents in this case. And the New Testament here, the Bible here is saying, yeah, that's how God works. That's how the kingdom works. We're spent, we're drained. Do you ever get to the end of the day? <laughs> Do you feel like this? Maybe most days. You feel like, I'm spent, I'm done, I cannot do anything else. I've poured, I feel like a, I've been a poured out. And the Lord uses that, that sense of weakness and I'm drained, I'm gone. He uses that to build life in other people. He uses that. And therefore, we do not lose heart. Therefore. See that? Number three. We cannot be tested beyond what we're able to withstand. Now this is verse 8 and 9. Have a look at verse 8 and 9 with me. Powerful verses, so powerful. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. You hear that? Here's four adjectives that Paul used about Christian life. Here they are. Hard-pressed. On every side, he says. Perplexed. Persecuted. Struck down. So I, I take it that in Paul's mind, right, his mind is, that's, that's to be expected in the Christian life. Hard-pressed, perplexed, persecuted, struck down. So if, if for a moment we have a season, <laughs> a season of peace and comfort and relaxation, praise the Lord, tremendous. I get a, a one-week holiday or something, I get a break. Because for Paul, the Christian life was hard-pressed, diminished, perplexed, persecuted, struck down. That's what it was about. And uh, when I was preparing this sermon yesterday, I paused over that word perplexed. And I just thank, I thank God for that word perplexed. I looked, I looked it up in every translation. I just checked. Is that what the, is that what the Greek is? Perplexed? Is that a good translation? Yeah, it is. Perplexed, bemused, confounded, puzzled. Do you get that? When questions don't get answered, you look at things like Friday and you think, and you just imagine the family, right? I, I don't know if you've imagined those five children and the wife. Why? Utterly perplexed. Why now? Why like this? Why? Praise God for that word, hey? The Apostle Paul, speaking to the churches, down the generations, and to us today, yeah, you'll feel that sometimes. Maybe often. Unanswered questions. But, he says, not in despair. Hard-pressed, but not crushed. Persecuted, not abandoned. Struck down, not destroyed. The Lord won't give us things that we're unable to bear. And therefore, we do not lose heart. See it? Because of that. Because the Lord won't do that. Therefore, we do not lose heart. See that? Four. We will be raised from the dead 
with the church and with Jesus. Verse 14. So it says there, verse 14, because we know that the one who raised, this is God, the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. What I find so stark about what happened on Friday is this sheer brutality and cold blood. So horrendous what uh, Sir David faced on Friday, but not unlike something of an approximation to what Jesus faced in his violent death on the cross. And when you look at that, you go, it's so strong and it's so final. You know? You look at something like that, it's utterly depressing. And yet, because we've seen Jesus, and Paul goes, we've seen God raise him from the dead. We've seen it. And therefore, we don't lose heart. Because just as Jesus was raised, so you, Christian believer, and the church, down the ages, will be raised. And death won't have a final word. And therefore, we do not lose heart. See that? That is the first breeze block. That is all the truth he's putting up top there. Stick all these true things in front of you. And then we go, therefore, we will not lose heart. And then second breeze block it comes out the back of that. We don't lose heart, even though our bodies and we're facing afflictions and suffering, it's hard. Though our inner body, our inner person is growing and gathering and being renewed. But he says, we don't lose heart for, now this is verse 17, now listen to this. Right, did you get it when I read it? Verse 17. For, for, because our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Now let's just linger on three words there. Start with momentary. Momentary. This is breeze block two. Momentary trials. Now Paul doesn't mean that you know it's going to last 60 seconds. I think he probably means they're going to last a lifetime. I mean I literally think that's what he means when he talks about momentary trials and momentary troubles. A lifetime of bitterness, anguish, perplexity, struck down, finding it hard, hard pressed on every side, but a lifetime only. And in comparison, in Paul's mind, he's got 10,000 upon 10,000 ages in view. And he's like, momentary. Just a moment. And because of that, we do not lose heart. See that? We don't lose heart because of that. Second thing he says, our afflictions are light. Light, same verse, verse 17, light. Now, I'm glad that I didn't say this because I live a pretty comfortable life. It has to be said, warm, well-fed, everything else. I don't, you know, I don't have it too bad. But this was spoken, these words were spoken by Paul 
inspired by the Spirit. So he said this, let me, in the very same letter actually, let me just read you 2 Corinthians 11. This is the Paul who talked about light and momentary troubles, right? This is what he says. He says, this is Paul, I've worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, I've been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Can you believe that? Pelted. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled. I've often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst, and I've often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face the daily pressure of my concern for all the churches. Now, any one of those things, right, if I'd been shipwrecked and spent a day and night in the sea, that would it. I would just never stop talking about that for the rest of my life. Everyone who met me would hear my story of how I was shipwrecked day and night in the sea and cold and everything else, let alone everything else that Paul lists. And he lists all that stuff. He lists all of that. Same letter, 2 Corinthians, verse, chapter 11. And in verse uh, 17 of chapter 4, he says, Light. All that stuff. Light. And he says it. He says it because he knows something of weight. He sees ahead of him a weight of glory. So heavy that when you drop that thing onto the scales, all these trials are just going to fly up like feathers. Weight. Glory. And for that reason, Paul says, we don't lose heart. See that? And finally, this is just the third thing on this breeze block. Paul says, our afflictions, these afflictions, these troubles, these trials, they produce glory. They achieve, they affect glory. Same verse, verse 17, I'll read it to you again. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory. So it's not as if troubles are just, you know, uh, it, we just have to have a troubled life and that's just going to be the prelude. That's just going to be the beginning in some sort of disconnected way to what's coming in the future, right? And it's just, I don't know, it's meaningless suffering, but one day that's all going to be cleared away and you're going to enjoy glory. He's like, there's a connection. As you suffer, it is achieving something. Now, we could spend a whole sermon on this, right? I'm not going to. But it, every trial and pain and struggle and every moment spent in the hospital and every dealing with someone at the bedside or walking with the pain of what's happened on something like Friday with someone close to David or, someone, or some other situation we may be going through with someone else or ourselves... The Bible's like, it is achieving, it's working, it's producing 
It's affecting for us, for you, for me, a weight of great glory. And for that reason, we do not lose heart. Now, do you see that? You see these breeze blocks of God's truth. Right? All these reasons, I've given you seven. Seven reasons that we as a Christian community, a church, family, can say with confidence we don't lose heart. Instead, verse 18, we fix our eyes not on what is seen but on what is unseen since what is seen is temporary but what is unseen is eternal. I look to God for my suffering and trials. I look to God when someone dies and maybe they're close to me. I look to God even if their death was something horrendous. I look to God with the unknowns of my future. I look to God with my unanswered questions and perplexity. I look to God knowing that my suffering will bring Jesus into view and everyone on the battlefield will see God is at work here. I look to God to give life to others even through my trials and hardships. I look to God that I won't be tested beyond my means. I look to God that I'll be raised just as Jesus was raised. We look at the cross always. We look at the cross We see that Jesus was raised, and so will I, together with all the church. I look to God that my trials are truly light, momentary, and that my pain and struggle, it's not wasted. God doesn't waste it. He doesn't let it trickle down the drain. He uses that. I'll use that. And it will affect greater glory for you. Brothers and sisters, let's hold these words and truths in our hearts. Allow them just to permeate through on a sad and shocking weekend. Only two miles up the road. And let's pray to the God of all comfort. Shall we pray together? Great God of all comfort, you are preparing for us such a weight of glory that a lifetime of trial will feel like feathers. And though the pain and grief is real, we don't deny that. And our bodies are weak and our circumstances are weak. Lord, we pray, be glorified in these bodies of ours, failing though they are. Be glorified in our circumstances, painful though they are. Be glorified through the tragedy of these past days. And may the whole world see and know that you are at work on this battlefield. And we pray in and through the mighty name of the risen Lord Jesus. Amen.